My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome to another day as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Matthew. Today we're continuing our journey through Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to be looking at verses 40 to 56 today. And we're going to pick up, as Jesus has just said, the most remarkable words ever, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is when Jesus chose you and me. Then verse 40, then he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping and he said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them. He went away again, and he prayed the third time, saying the same words. And then he came to the disciples, and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus, all he wanted was the help from his friends for an hour of prayer. But even without their help, he endured in prayer himself until the battle was won. And he told Peter, watch and pray. He knew Peter was going to fail. He knew it, but he encouraged him to to rise up, knowing that his strength and energy could be found by watching and praying, the same as Jesus. And and if Peter had just woken up and, and, and had a determination to have a total dependence on God, he could have kept from denying Jesus maybe in the critical hour. And Jesus found victory at the cross by succeeding in the struggle of Gethsemane. But Peter failed in Gethsemane. And then he later failed in temptation. And he failed to watch and pray. And the spiritual battle is often lost or won in your life and my life before the battle comes. We've already lost it because we didn't watch and pray. Now, Jesus said some very kind words about the disciples. He said, listen, I get it. I get that your spirit's willing, but it's your flesh that's weak. Spurgeon said this, their master might find an excuse for their neglect, but oh, how they would blame themselves afterwards for missing that last opportunity of watching with their wrestling Lord. So Jesus goes away and he prays. Uh, he went away and prayed. Poole said this, fervent prayer loves privacy and Jesus by this teaches us us that secret prayer is our duty. So he comes back again and he finds them asleep again. Now, they just couldn't keep their eyes open. I have no doubt that there was some influence from the from the enemy here, from the devil. I think the devil was just doing everything he could to to could to, to keep them from uh staying awake. It was a spiritual battle they were in, they just didn't realise it and they gave in. So he prays the third time and he says the same words. If this cup can take it, be taken from me. It's not unspiritual to make the same request of God multiple times. Jesus did it. Some people say, oh, well, if you ask God for more than once, that means that you don't have enough faith to believe that he'll do it the first time. Uh, I think that might be true in some situations, uh, but Jesus shows us that repeated prayer 
is completely consistent with having a steadfast faith. So then he says to them, listen, get up because my betrayer is coming. Jesus knew Judas and that those who were coming to arrest him, he knew they were on the way. Now he could have run, he could have escaped the agony that was waiting for him at the cross, but he rose to meet Judas. He was in complete control of what was going on in this moment. Verse 47. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. And immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Remarkable. This is a remarkable chain of events. They obviously treated Jesus as a dangerous man because they've got all these soldiers there with all their swords drawn. And Judas, who would have, you know, for the 30 pieces of silver, had to give them information about where Jesus was so that they could arrest him. Um, they would have used all the guards um, the ordinary guard of the temple actually belonged to the chief priests. And uh, during the festivals, like the unleavened bread and the Passover, the Roman, Roman governors actually added more soldiers to be used by the high priests. Um, and Judas says, greetings, Rabbi. He warmly greets Jesus, even, even kisses him. And the kiss is only identified or to identify Jesus so that the authorities could come and arrest him. I don't think Guzik says there could be no more hypocritical words in the Bible than greetings, Rabbi, from the mouth of Judas. And then Jesus says the most remarkable thing. He says, friend, friend. I don't think he was saying that sarcastically. Yeah, some friend you are. I think he still treated Judas as a friend in that moment. And Judas could have asked for repentance. Even in that moment, he could have repented. He could have asked Jesus for forgiveness, but he didn't. And they came and they laid hands on Jesus. Now, John chapter 18 tells us something very interesting happened. It's not recorded here in Matthew, but John tells us that uh, as they, before they can come and lay hands on Jesus, in the power of Jesus in the garden, all the soldiers fell on their face. All of them. Jesus was just showing, I can, I can make you all fall down. I can make all of you do whatever I want you to do. But I know I'm in control and I need to go to the cross. So imagine all these soldiers. They're all big, tough soldiers. Yeah, okay, come here. And then, oh, boom, and they fall on the ground. <laughs> then they get back up, up again. And they're like, no, no, that was, no, we, 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 no we've got this. We've got this. Uh, what an amazing moment that would have been uh, for those soldiers to tell the story later on. I wonder if any of them ever came to faith in Christ as they saw him die and rise again. If they were like, oh, that's why we all fell down in the garden. Um, I often wonder about things like that. Uh, let's continue to move on. Verse 51. Suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Yeah. Guess who it was? <laughs> Peter. Peter, the Greek idiot. Yeah, well, in the Greek. That's what I always, I always say that there's a Greek word that must be used for Peter because he just did the most stupid things. Time, but he did them with noble intentions and then, yeah, 
I love Peter. I kind of feel sorry for him. But this was not one of the things that Jesus wanted him to do. Um, Jesus said to him, Peter, put your sword back in its place. He actually had to pick up the guy's ear, put it on his on his head, and then heal him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus miraculously puts an ear back on the soldier's head, on the servant's head, and it, and it heals back. Can you imagine him going, I just got healed by Jesus, and I'm here to betray him and crucify him. He really is God. So think about all the conflicting thoughts going through people in this particular moment. Put your sword away. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he'll provide with me more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled? It must happen thus. In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you and teaching you in the temple. You didn't seize me then. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. What a moment for Jesus. What a moment. Oh, just what's going on. The, the, Peter, James, John fall asleep. Judas is coming. Judas comes, betrays him with a kiss. All the, angel, all, all the soldiers fall down under the power of God. They get back up again. Then as they get back up again, Peter goes and chops one of the ears off. Then Jesus says, don't chop his ear off. Puts the ear back on, heals the guy, and then says these amazing words. Don't you think that I could get a legion of angels? Um, Jesus could have had whatever he wanted. Now, a legion. What's a legion of angels? A legion is uh, was about was about six thousand foot soldiers with seven hundred horses. That was considered a legion, um, and that's a great army of angels that Jesus was talking about. Trapped quoted that. And it's an impressive number when you think about in 2 Kings chapter 19 that one angel killed 185,000 soldiers. So he's saying, don't you think I could have 12 legions of those same angels? Yeah. Peter uh, did not accomplish anything with his sword apart from frustrating Jesus. Um, And in Luke 22, we read the story of Jesus healing the ear. And... Interestingly enough, uh, Peter, when he was moved with his own power, he cut off the ear of the servant. When he was filled with the Spirit of God in Acts chapter 2, using the Word of God, he was able to pierce men's hearts for God's glory. Amazing when you read about what what Peter did in Acts chapter 2. He's the one that finally stood up and said, Hey, hey, hang on a sec. I understand more than anybody. I watched him. I watched all the prophecies. I've done all this. I've denied him. I've done it all that. He truly was the Christ. And this is what it's all about. Spurgeon said this, Our Lord had thus the means of self-defense. Something far more powerful than a sword hung at his girdle, but he refused to employ the power within his reach. His servants could not bear this test. They had no self-restraint, and the hand of Peter is on his sword at once. The failure of the servants in this matter seems to me to illustrate the grand self-possession of their master. And so, at the moment when it seems that Jesus has nothing and no advantage, he knew that he still had a father in heaven and he had access to all the father's resources through prayer. And Jesus said, listen, this has to be done in order for scripture to be fulfilled. He said it then, he's still saying it now. 
things are happening so that scripture will be fulfilled. Every time there is a revelation of some archaeological evidence in Israel, do you know what it does? It fulfills scripture. They never find anything that says, yeah, scripture is not fulfilled by that archaeological find. No, it's always a fulfillment of scripture. It's still happening. With all the power of God through prayer at Jesus' disposal, he was in command. He wasn't a victim. He was managing the circumstances because a prophecy needed to be fulfilled. And then the most sad moment I would imagine for Jesus, watching the disciples just flee, run. They just got up and they ran for their own safety. Now, Peter, James and John, uh, well, Peter and John in particular, at least they fled and then they kind of turned around after they hid a little bit to watch what would happen. But they, were, they ran to a distance and then where they felt safe and now they watched. Not one of them stood beside Jesus and said, I have given my life to this man. Whatever you accuse him of, you have to accuse me. You want to take him, you've got to take me too. None of them did that. Jesus had said earlier on, all of you will be made to stumble because of me, which leads us to our conclusion and observation today. All of this was done to fulfill Scripture. God's will will be fulfilled in Scripture. Number one. Number two, second observation. The devil wants you to go to sleep on the job. He wants, he wants to make you spiritually tired so that you won't do what God wants you to do. So which means we have to stay awake. We've got to be vigilant. We've got to be alert. Why? Because we have a job to do. You and I have a job to do. Just like the disciples, you and I are disciples. We, we start off as followers of Jesus. We become disciplined followers, which makes us a disciple. And a disciple just says yes to whatever the master asks us. That's what we do. So let's stay awake. Let's make that our observation. Let's stay awake. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, help us to stay awake for you. Lord, let us never sleep on the job. Let us always be ready to do what you've asked us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day. Thank you.